Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. Welcome back to another edition of Covered in Glory. I'm here with my co-host, Brett Corominas. How are you doing today, Brett? Oh, it's beautiful, man. We're out of the 100-degree days in Arizona, so not baking anymore. My brain is not sand. I'm ready to go. Ready to get into this week. Lots, lots of stuff going on in soccer this week, Toby. Yeah, it wasn't exactly a slow week. Well, I went to the dentist this morning. Still feel a little bit of nitrous in my blood. I'm having a beer. I'm sitting outside talking about one of my favorite things with one of my favorite people. So I am feeling A-OK. I am touched. Toby, I'm I know off. I know off camera. You're, oh, you're talking about Mike. Oh, my yeah, bad, I'm talking my about bad. Mike. I mean, I, I okay, you, I, I you're got to be nice to me back, but you might as well be nice to meatballs because neither of us are talking about each other. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Mike is everybody's favorite. That's right. Uh, all right. So before we dive into this week's games, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that were happening in soccer this week, kind of off the pitch, that will have a massive effect of the next decade on the pitch. So, Brett, you and I, it's no its no secret to each other. Maybe the audience doesn't know this, but we're also, along with big footy fans, we're also big NBA fans. Uh, you yes, might have sir. Heard it, you might have heard some references sneak into the pod comparing a certain Liverpoolian to Westbrook, some shots <laughs> at Harden, some talking about trades. Like we, we definitely follow the NBA as well as soccer. And you cannot follow the NBA without thinking uh, almost daily about the player empowerment era that has kind of taken over the NBA ever since Braun took his – Talonstown to South Beach. Now, this week, you had the dual story of Mbappe asking out of PSG despite making a massive amount of money, despite just signing a new agreement, despite basically being their sporting director of the club and having uh, carte blanche to do whatever he wants with a blank check from a state-run club, and he still wants to leave. And then you, uh, there's news that Holland might have a release clause as soon as 2024 and is already plotting his escape to Real Madrid. So... Are we starting to see the player empowerment era cross over into soccer? And in your opinion, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, I mean, isn't the fundamental question really behind that? Like, who are you going to root for? The millionaires or the billionaires? (laughs) Like, who gets control? Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's a ton. I mean, and this isn't going to turn into an NBA podcast. I want to step on those guys' toes. But like, you know, everything going on with the Nets this summer, right? You know, the, the KD drama, the Ben Simmons stuff that's going on, uh, Kyrie Irving, who I'm sure you have plenty of hot takes on. That would be another great, like, just solo episode is Toby's take on Kyrie Irving. Um, but I mean, yeah, so seeing that kind of stuff play out and create this, like, turmoil within the industry, I, I mean, I know it generates headlines, and that's good for people like, you know, soccer reporters and basketball reporters that they get to tweet all these, you know, great hot takes and scoops that they get from sources. But I don't, I don't think it's ever good to have this situation like with Mbappe um, where you give a player carte blanche um, of basically your program. Um, 
And, you know, I, he has a crazy deal. It's like 800K a week, right? If I'm remembering the, the stories right. He also has control over his, his name and image likeness. Um, so he could theoretically, like, you know, when the teams do stuff where they'll send players out with one of their sponsors and they'll take pictures or they'll, you know, do an ad for him. So, like, he theoretically could move to a club. I know Liverpool is the one that's been linked to him. So, congratulations, Liverpool. The internet says you're getting Kylian Mbappe. Um, but, like, if they wanted to do something for, like, Standard Charter and they wanted Mbappe to be in the image, he could just turn around to their biggest shirt sponsor and just be like, no, I don't want that. Like, I don't want to do that. I, I just think that creates such a mess and there's so many strings to this too, because, you know, this is again, like a thing of sports washing, right? With the Qatari sovereign wealth fund that owns PSG, they wanted the best player in the world. And I mean, obviously we can have a debate and I'm sure you and I will have this debate on Hollander and Mbappe going forward, but like they created more of, it's not a player empowerment. It was like a player enablement thing. They gave him whatever they wanted so they could have the best player playing for their team and kind of scrubbing their image. And I think that particularly that aspect of it, that is bad. Yeah. But I actually would really like to say like, what is your take? If you remove the complicated web of who is pulling the strings, you know, what is your take of just these players being able to kind of force their way out and creating this friction, you know, within the club itself? Yeah. Well, why are you mad, bro? Like you have more money than everybody else. You have full control. You're <laughs> world famous. And like, it's not like you play for a scrub team. It's not like this is, you yeah. know, Anthony Davis facing his way out of the Pelicans. It's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you've had to play with Neymar and that wasn't enough. So they went out and got you literally the greatest player of all time. And Lionel <laughs> Messi to also play next to you. Like what the hell is it going to take for a guy like that to be happy? Um, and so like you had that in with, you know, Holland already uh, planting stories that he wants to play in every league in the world. And is just going to be this mercenary. And you contrast that with what makes soccer so beautiful, particularly, um, you know, outside of America, in Europe, and South America, and, and even Mexico, et cetera, and so forth, which is the incredible, the incredible connection of the club to the communities that surround it. Uh, I mean, like, I grew up a Wizards fan, right? Or actually, I'm sorry, I grew up a Bullets fan. The Bulls don't exist anymore. Uh, now they are the Wizards. I wouldn't say that I have one-tenth of the connection to the community, to the Wizards, that you know somebody from Liverpool has with, with Liverpool or somebody from Barcelona has with Barca or whatever it might be. And like it also add in the uh, pyramid system, right? Like you join a club when it's in like the third division and you ride it all the way to the top. There's nothing that You're can replicate that experience. Like, yeah. these, these things in a lot of ways are closer to religions than they are to sports franchises. And so having player empowerment in this versus the NBA, it feels different. Now, you know, there's an economic argument that, hey, maybe players should run down a five-year contract and maybe they shouldn't be able to be sold and not have as much control over where they go and, and things like that. But you're talking about toppling the entire economic structure of what uh, supports the, the, the whole sport uh, right now. Okay. Well, see, that, that, though, is interesting. And this is one of the things that, again, it's so complicated, this world that we live in nowadays. But toppling that structure, one part of that structure, and, and this will get me going, and I've sent you numerous text messages to this effect offline. Or, and the whole thing with the way that soccer agents operate, 
And we've talked about a little bit about Jorge Mendez and his shady relationship with Wolves. Um, and I think Swansea as well. Um, and there's a huge fundamental difference. So like we'll go back to basketball sport. We both know. So ages in basketball basically get a percentage of a player's contract. So it behooves them to just get them the biggest contract because they'll get, you know, if they get somebody a max deal, they get 4% of that. I think they get like 2% of like minimum deals in the NBA, but even overseas with basketball, the team actually pays the agent. Yeah. So if a player signs like in a Spanish league for a hundred thousand dollars, the agent fee is 10,000. And with soccer, it's the same thing, but on a much bigger scale, when you're talking about these massive, like, hundred million dollar transfer fees. Like the agent is getting a huge percentage of that fee. Like soccer reporting is tough. Like we can never really nail down exactly what money goes where. Um, but a big driver of some of this too, is like agents just want players to move because every time they move, they get paid. You know, they, they don't get it on just the, the deal that gets signed. You know, otherwise they'd be happy if Killian signed a five-year $800,000 a week deal. And the agent got a percentage of that. There's no incentive for him to move. But there's a huge incentive to move Mbappe to like Madrid or Liverpool or wherever, because that's going to create another huge, massive agent fee during the middle of that transfer. And that sucks. And part of that is the lack of a players association that has any real power. You know, we see some pretty big things in the players union. The NFL has beeped up a lot with the concussion stuff. That stuff doesn't really exist overseas. And I think that feeds into it. So it's it is a really I mean, you're a lawyer guy here. So. I mean, where do you weigh in on that kind of stuff? Like the the way that the agents can operate and manipulate some of these things. It, they really need financial fair play to have some sort of teeth and to yes. be actually trackable 100%. to things like this. Because, you know, you, you're, you're talking about a sport where something like the Super League was rejected because of an absolute uh, groundswell of hatred that came from uh, not just fans of like minnows, but fans of the monsters. Like you got Chelsea fans that are revolting and Manchester and uh, other fans that are revolting and and staging protests. Like they don't want the sport to change. They love it the way they is. They love the pyramid structure. They love the passion. They love the history of it. They love the way that it is. And what you're describing threatens to swallow all of it. Because if they don't have financial fair play that can enforce these things and then agents are going to have these moves that happen and players are going to run down five-year contracts so they can get a signing bonus instead of the clubs getting transfer fees and things like that, it's going to topple it. And the only way to constrain it in any way, shape, or form is for our financial fair play to actually matter. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, this is going to have to require a top-down organized solution. And uh, historically, soccer has struggled with top-down <laughs> leadership. And shadowy elements have always understatement of our entire run of the podcast and shadowy elements have always held more power uh, than probably is properly balanced against the top run organizations and an unrelated story. We're about to watch a world cup in Qatar. Uh, So I don't know what the path out is. I just think we've started down the dangerous path that before we know it, this is something that is going to threaten uh, what we love and what we love to watch at a very fundamental level. Yeah. And before we go back to forgetting about all this stuff, um, you know, it, it, one of the things I was reading when we were talking, getting prepped for the show is I kind of was looking at a Liverpool Echo article and they reportedly Mbappe's 800K a week would be over double. It would completely bl- break like Liverpool's pay structure. It would be over double what Mo Salah makes. And now, yeah. now Liverpool isn't owned by like a minnow entity. Like FSG is a huge business entity. 
But this is showing you kind of like the crappy part of sports washing is the only one of only club that could give someone this much money that would literally break the wage structure of almost any other team is one backed by an oil, like an oil wealth fund. That is that is kind of the crappy part when we talk about sports washing that we just have to swallow and kind of deal with, but it sucks. But this, they do kind of aid a lot of this. Yeah. And this is why financial fair play has to step in. Cause yeah. like it, it's, it's hilarious. The mis- misinformation that's out into the public discourse, right? Like it'll be reported that Holland cost Manchester city $60 million. That is an absolute joke. Like if you report that, you know, Anthony costs 95 and Holland costs 60 and you know, how can Manchester United be so stupid and how can Manchester city get such a good deal? Get the hell out of here. Like Holland cost <laughs> city at least $200 million all in, but they just have a hard time tracing it, and reporting it versus the release clause. And so yeah. there's just has to be more organizational uh, heft behind this. And let's stop pretending that Manchester City got over 60 million bucks. That's a joke. Mm-hmm. And let's also stop pretending that City doesn't have a track record of getting ghost entities to then create sponsorship revenue for them. So, yeah. it's, again, soccer is a very complicated web. It, it's just kind of a bummer because, like, I, especially with the, with the Champions League this year, it seems really, you know, wide open. It's going to be like a city versus like a, the field kind of thing again. And it seemed really exciting. And then now you got one of the best players in the world versus a team that could legitimately win the Champions League. And it's going to be a mess. And that yeah. sucks. Like it just takes away a really entertaining storyline for us to follow as fans, sports betters, whatever. The one I think kind of silver lining is the local communities will always support their clubs over the players. I mean, maybe not always, maybe not always, maybe always is an overstatement, but almost always it is so deep ingrained in the community because it's more like religion that it won't be as disruptive as it's been in American professional sports because they still want to go to the match ground on Saturday. They still want to support the club. They still want to go down to the pub. They still want to, you know, bond with their friends and neighbors and form their tribes around these organizing entities that just happen to run around a green field wearing a kit. Um, and I think that because of that deep seated, like real, real fundamental root uh, that they have sunk into the communities, that it won't end up being like it has been in the NBA and, and in other professional sports where, you know, like I'm a Nationals fan as well. Like Juan Soto leaves, Bryce Harper leaves, Anthony Redone leaves. Like you just know it's going to happen. So you have a hard time ever like fully like opening your heart to the club. And their hearts are already so wide open and so already exposed that I don't think the player movement can even disrupt uh, that passion. Yeah, no, I mean, and honestly, we are going to still swallow hard and talk about the games and talk crap about the players and make our bets. So, all right, with that great segue, yeah. let's get into the matches. Let's start talking <laughs> some crap. Uh, let's and do it. We happen to have what two months ago looked like the absolute game of the year, but now uh, has a different feel to it. So oh, yeah. we have Liverpool at 10th at 10 points versus Manchester City, second and 23 points. Sunday at 1130 a.m., the clear fixture of the weekend. City is minus 126. Pool is plus 300. The draw is plus 310. City minus half a goal is listed on Caesars at minus 140. Pool is plus 110. If you want some alternate spreads, which would have been uh, blasphemy to give not too long ago, but now have to be considered, <laughs> City minus a goal and a half is plus 180, and City minus two and a half is plus 425. So, Brett, 
When the fixture list came out, this was clearly the most important match of the year. A chance for Liverpool to take points off City at home and make this a real title race, just like we were uh, lucky enough to enjoy last year. Blessed enough. I mean, that was an incredible experience last year. But now two months into this season, Liverpool sit 13 points behind the Sky Blues and appear, appear to be on a completely different level than them. So help me get excited for this match. Do I feel so listless because this should have been the best game of the year and now feels like a foregone conclusion? Pump me and the audience back up. Uh, all right. Well, then I won't talk about the first 45 minutes that Liverpool had against a Rangers club that would struggle to get out of the championship. Um, I, God, man, it is. It's sad that this one just feels so destined to just move cities. Now it is at Anfield. So that, that would be like a hype train thing. I think the fact if this was at the Eddie had, I think this would be a lot more dismal and we would be talking. We'd both be taking adjusted city lines. Um, we both have a lot less space in, in Liverpool. The fact that it's going to be an Anfield, I think changes the dynamic just a little bit, but that said city at minus minus one forty is the only, every way that I looked at this game, I couldn't take the adjusted line, but every way that I looked at this match, I could not see a route in which with the, Issues that Liverpool is having, especially defensively, especially with the injuries, I could not see a route in which City does not look like the favorite to win this match. And the number to me just didn't seem high enough. Minus 140 is not a great like line by any stretch. Well, but let but, me interrupt you right there. Our friends at Caesars actually have it at minus 126. So if you're seeing it at minus 140 anywhere else, please go oh, over to Caesars. Money line, minus bet. 126. Grab it there. Yeah, and so I actually thought it'd be more minus one eighty ish. Like that was like before I look at it, I kind of have a, a number in my head. Um, so I thought it was going to be higher, and because it was so low, like that, I just couldn't. I look, you know, my spreadsheets were everywhere, Toby. It was a tornado of spreadsheets, um, and I still couldn't get around to any other conclusion that this city team is great. Holland had the midweek off. The crazy part about city, like this is, it still blows my mind. It's FC Copenhagen, so let's all take this with a grain of salt. But they were down a man for 60 minutes and they still outshot their opponent 13 to 6. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> Handicapped out of hand for two thirds of a soccer match. Yeah. Like, oh man. And then Liverpool literally looked like they were about to get run over by Rangers in the first 45 minutes. Obviously, Mo Salah came on in the second half and they just went nuts and broke the game wide open. But Rangers are really bad to see Liverpool struggle like that, even with a clear rotation and Trent Alexander-Arnold out. There's just not much that's giving me much hope that they're going to make this super competitive. Damn it. You're, you're bumming me out even more, bro. You're not doing know, your job I here. I, and this, you this asked stinks. me to do one thing. I did the other thing. Well, this stinks. Like, we did a show last April uh, when these guys were going head-to-head with the league title on the line. Like, we didn't want to talk about any other match. We wanted to do two hours just on this. Yeah. Because it was just a, it's such we a fascinating did. I think we did, like, 50 minutes we, on we, we did a solid chunk on it. And, like, here <laughs> we are when we thought we were going to see another title race and – Liverpool just did not show up for the fight. I mean, I guess Arsenal is is taking their uh, space in the ring. And, you know, when we have a City-Arsenal matchup, then we might get geared back up again. But this sucks. I mean, like, I completely agree with you. Um, in terms of, like, tactics, I thought it was really fascinating that Klopp sacrificed Fabinho to roll out an extra attacker against Arsenal. It almost looks to me like when an NFL coach loses faith in his defense and goes through it on every fourth down because they know their only chance is more cowbell. Uh, if, if he is brave enough 
to try to do that against City, I think we might actually be treated as a match of the year. I mean, can you You're setting up my prop bet, Toby. This, this, was all, this was just all <laughs> offense all the time from both sides. I mean, we might see eight-plus goals you between the two you see my sheet through the camera? All right. <laughs> um, of course, Klopp could go the other way. He could park the bus, and we can still see eight goals as much as his side is struggling defensively. And without TAA and Diaz's offense, those are huge holes in, in their lineup card uh, on the offensive side of the pitch. I'm having a very hard time seeing how Liverpool can actually compete in this match. I have no faith whatsoever they can keep City off the score sheet. And I don't think any team in the world could beat City right now in an open game. So I think the last of the mystique pool has built up over the last five years. We're going to watch die on the field on Sunday. And that mystique is the only thing keeping the odds as low as they are right now in City's favor. So I am thrilled to get them at minus 126. And it's probably your last chance to bet City on the money line under like minus 200 or maybe even minus 250 yeah, for at least true. a month until they play Chelsea. They play our, yeah, I was going to say until another another one of the top four comes in. But I, I love that you set this up so nice for my prop bet, Toby, because I I do think when you when you talk about sacrificing a midfielder, I think it comes down to another basketball thing. Those le- those lemon pepper boys better watch out. We might be taking their pot over here. Um, no, but like we, I, you and I have probably talked about this in basketball too. Like there's this whole, there used to be this whole obsession where you had to play like certain positional types. And then the, one of the good things that's happened in the NBA lately is this idea of like, just play your best players. If everybody's like six, seven, who cares? Like play your best guys. Right. And I think Klopp is kind of at that point with Liverpool, especially I think he's realizing like Henderson has lost his legs a little bit. He's probably not the automatic, like I'm maybe, you know, Klopp will go with the warrior there. Milner, we've seen what happens when James Milner plays. So I, I think the the fact that they could come out in a 4-2-3-1 with the Fabinho Thiago double pivot and then four attackers in front of him, um, you know, take your pick of, of whether Elliot joins that as an attacking group or whatever. Um, but I think that's going to open up the game. And this is where like Liverpool, it's a damned if you do damned, if you don't, if they open up the game early in Holland is going to have a bunch of space to run into, but we know that they don't have the personnel to shut games down anymore. Like they have been in the last two out of the last three years. So if they try to just sit back and let city dominate and counter themselves, that's not going to work. So I think Klopp rolls with his best guys, which leads me to the over of three and a half. Is plus one fifteen. Toby, that looks so good, and you're yeah. nodding your head. Are you on the same page when you're looking at the profits? I absolutely had that one written down. Um, okay, and I factored that one into my prop bet. If they, if the odds makers and you and I are so convinced there's going to be four goals in this game, I freaking love Phil Foden anytime goal scorer. Guess his number. Did you look up his number? Guess his number. I didn't look at his number. No, so guess. I was just looking. At, I just look at Hollands. Uh, Phil Foden is plus one eighty. He's plus 240. It's 240 on Phil Foden. It's crazy. I mean, Holland continues to attract like insane defensive attention. I don't know how closely you were watching that Southampton game, but he was drawing like three opponents constantly around him that left a hilarious amount of space for players like Phil Foden and Mares to operate. They led to like unbelievably clean looks like inside the box that like guys half their quality could have buried. Uh, and I think that, you know, Klopp might go Belichick here, like give Holland the same level of attention, like try to put um, the, oh, God, I hate saying it, but the fast declining Van Dyke around him, uh, try to crowd him with the rest of the bodies. And Foden is just going to have an amazing amount of space to operate. So I cannot believe that this number is not like minus 110. 
I, at plus 240, uh, it seems too good to be true, especially, as you said, when you consider the odds makers think there's going to be at least four goals. So I got to love him to get one. A couple other ones I did like because I looked through them quite a bit. Uh, Holland, it seems every shot that he takes, except for one that would have won me my first half bet last week, um, is, <laughs> on, right is, is, is perfectly on target. So Holland, two shots on target, is only minus 110. Uh, playing in his, you know a really big high-profile matchup, I think he is going to try to fire as much as he can. And unless they use him as a decoy, in which case my phone bet is definitely going to cash, I love him to get two shots on frame. And then Manchester City to score both halves is plus 135. I, I picked Arsenal to score in the first half against Poole last week because Poole has been slow starting on the defensive end. And they scored in the first minute, Brett. It was the <laughs> fastest ticket I've cashed in my entire life. It was so <laughs> glorious. And to think City won't do the exact same thing to them is crazy. And so the only real risk that you're taking here is that they're winning by so much that they don't even care in the second half and then they don't hit the net in that way. But I love plus 135 for them to score in both halves using that same logic that I walked through last week. Yeah, and, and again, it, at Anfield, if Klopp is going to ramp it up, if there's going to be four attackers in a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-2-4 or whatever you want to call it, uh, it they're gonna, that means they're going to press high. And that means there's going to be a ton of possessions and a ton of space, which means goals are going to come early. It's not gonna, I just don't, I don't see this as a match where maybe it has been kind of in past years where they start to feel each other out and they're trying to not make mistakes. I just feel like Liverpool is kind of backed into a corner and they could come out and just be aggressive. And with their, the warts that they have right now, it is going to be an up and down open game. I love any goal scoring props. The only thing I will say about Foden, because all I do is just rain on praise with my spreadsheets is he is way out over his skis as far as his finishing goes. Now, granted, Foden is incredible. He may be a sun-like player that constantly beats expected goal totals, uh, but he is finishing like a madman. I mean, even his one against Southampton, that deft little chip into the upper corner was an incredible goal uh, that made a like a low probability chance. But, but, actually, but why did he have that shot? It's because there was yeah. so much defense. There's so much center grabbing everybody else. Out of the way. Literally, the only guy yeah, who could defend yeah. Foden was the goalkeeper who had to bum rush him. Like yeah. it's nuts. Like I don't know how much these XG calculate. Um, you know, distance between the closest defender, but like a shot from that position is entirely different with a the only last man to beat being the goalkeeper versus three attackers around or sorry three defenders around you, and he's getting just the open one on ones against the goalkeeper from prime positions. Yeah, well, the, the FB reference data, shout out to FB ref who does a lot of our stuff, come sponsor the pod, please. Um, they they do actually rely on StatsBomb data, and StatsBomb does take some of that into account. Mostly defender positioning. I'm not sure about like how the rushing out of the goal con- uh, goalkeeper expects it. But either way, Foden made that look really easy. Like, everybody can do it. And no, there's like... 20 dudes in the Premier League well, that, that could have finished it like that. That's like every that city cool game. It. Like Marez's yeah. like left-footed volley out of the air uh, yeah. where he scored his goal on. Like he made that like so nonchalantly, but that's just how good these guys are. Yeah, it's, it is. City's attacking talent is just transcendent. It's oh well, yeah, and, and really this year more than in past years. And I know we've done this <laughs> and so it's going back to the well, but it really just seems like City. And then miles below, and everyone else starts to come into play. Yeah. They just they're on a different level. If Holland goes out and may 
We may be talking about them a little bit differently, but either way, it's an embarrassment of riches. They're playing great. I hope that Liverpool makes this a game and it's not just like a, they don't get trucked at Anfield. That would actually be really sad and depressing. But either way, I think goals are going to be there. So yeah. put your money on goals. Yeah, this is why it's so sad, man. Like you say they're miles away, but just last April, they weren't miles away. That game was a right. legitimate like title decider. And here we are yeah. six months later, you know, already crowning them. So life comes at you fast. Life comes at you fast. had a chance to go to Real Madrid and he signs a PSG and now let's go back. So we've got a lot of changes here. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's go ahead and take a quick break and then we're going to run through the rest of the slate a bit faster. All right, listen, whatever you're betting, teasers over under, do it through Caesars because they have all the names. Caesar himself, Cleo, the Mannings, Henrik Lundqvist, and now yours truly. Yes, Against All Odds is now a proud member of the Caesars empire and your very first bet it's on Caesars up to $1,250. If you win, congrats. If you don't, you'll get it all back as a free bet. That first bet also gives you a thousand tier credits and a thousand reward credits, putting you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. So download the app, use promo code CZR full and go full Caesars this season, oh, you must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ontario, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, and Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Yes, you have to know when to stop before you start. If you have a gambling problem in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Virginia, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, or if you know someone who has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or in Maryland, visit MarylandGamblingMDGamblingHelp.org or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net, Arizona. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas. Call 1-800-522-4700, Indiana. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. That's 467-369. Visit C-O-N-N-E-X-Ontario.ca or call 1-866-531-2600 or text C-O-N-N-E-X to 247-247. Tennessee, call or text Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, we are back, and we are heading down to Tottenham, third at 20 points versus Everton, 12th at 10 points, Saturday at 12.30 p.m. At Caesars, Tottenham is minus 210, Everton is plus 600, the draw is plus 330. 
Spurs minus a goal and a half, plus 140. Everton minus 170. So, Brett, the Spurs uh, took care of business against Brighton, Brighton, winning 1-0 on a Harry Kane reflexive header. Uh, They also took care of my desire to ever watch them play again with those horrible color rush kits they were wearing. Who took a a look at the classic Spurs color combo and decided to inject neon green? They should be locked in a room with Harry Maguire until their sins disintegrate. A resident Spurs fan and uniform at Dave Damashek must be spitting mad. His club embarrassed him in this way. To quote him, shame! (laughs) Meanwhile... Everton gave up two lightning strikes against Manchester United, which is a bad sign for them coming into a game against a team that absolutely loves nothing more than a quick counter. Uh, I think Sun gets loose for, for at least one here, and Everton finds themselves unable to match. But since Spurs have struggled to really click with Kulishevsky out, I'm not bold enough to think they can route Everton here. So I'm going to go with a really boring take for once, and I'm taking the Spurs money line only at minus 210. Well, you know what, Toby? I want to start my own thing. I'm going to start my own T-shirt brand, and it's going to be Make Cowardice Cool Again. All right? Because <laughs> here's why. I, I actually, of the Champions League games I was able to catch, one of the ones that I watched in full was Spurs at Frankfurt. And at first, wondering if Eric Dyer was a double agent for Frankfurt. Believe me, that scoreline was not reflective of how poorly they played at home against a very, 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 very mediocre Frankfurt team. And this has been the thing with Spurs. We have talked about this before. They are one of the least impressive good teams that we've watched. Not only that, this schedule congestion has really, I think, hurt them more than any other team because instead of playing like a Champions League and then maybe having a week where there's a Carabao Cup match where they can rotate, play some young guys, play Lucas Mora, like they have had to play their midweek games with their A A game players, right? So they're not getting any chance to rest, no chance to rotate. Even with the break with the Queen's death and everything, they've had, that is basically the only break that they've had. And it doesn't get any better for them going forward because every single key contributor on this team has a major role to play with their national team as well. You got Kane with England who may go deep. I mean, Garrett Southgate will say something about that, but Kane, you have Lloris is going to start for France. Perisic is going to be with Croatia. Sun is going to be with Korea. Their midfield of Hoiberg and Bentecourt are going to be with Uruguay and Denmark. And those two are basically going to be run into the ground by the time this turn of World Cup is over. I think we're starting to see this team run on fumes, which is setting up my coward's bet. I think it's going to be a draw. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I just, Everton plays these games. Everton is not good. This is no faith in Everton type of bet. I love how your reaction is. Oh my God. Well, um, you bet three draws last week. Did any of them hit? Did you get one I, draw right? One penalty away. I didn't bet three draws. One penalty away from going five, five, and the five, five point. I'm just going to say that. Um, but I will say this I, I think that Everton plays these games where they're, they're not outplaying the team, but they're within that margin of they can fluke out lucky results. And the one thing Everton do have is a somewhat more stable defense. I have no faith in their attack whatsoever, but their defense has been okay enough for them to not be in the relegation battle. And the thing that's hurting Spurs right now is creating chances. And other than Sun going nuts in two games, they have not consistently really 
produced overwhelmingly dominant performances that buried teams. So I think that the draw looks good. And then the other one is both teams to score no at minus 110. When you talk about a Spurs team that can go through droughts and an ever team that has no good attackers at only minus 110. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. So my prop's a cousin of that. Uh, I'm taking the under 2.5 goals at plus 100. Uh, I'm much more likely yeah, to bet my that. prop here than the Spurs money line. Like I'm not a guy like usually loves 100%. minus 210. Uh, I so, will say that about my cowardice bet as well. I would way rather take my prop bet than my other one. Yeah, and look, uh, hearing your analysis matches my eyes, right? Like I haven't loved what I've seen from either team's offense this month. And Everton has a have a shockingly good defensive record right now under Frank Lampard, which feels like cats and dogs living together. Like I, was, <laughs> I was watching that game, and the announcer said that Everton had led up the fewest goals of the Premier League this season. I just assumed that the guy was having a stroke. Like, there's no way that was accurate. Do they even do they even have like fact checkers on NBC anymore? Because there's no way that could possibly be true. Um, but I think both teams are looking at zero to one goals here. With Spurs having a shot at, you know, you know, a 2-0 victory and keeping the clean sheet. Since all those scenarios, everyone I just laid out are all covered by the same under and a plus number, I'm very happy to take it at plus 100 over at Caesars. Yeah. I mean, that this match of matches you should not be watching this weekend, this is very high up on the please avoid list. So well, it's the only one involving the top six on Saturday, though. So I'm gonna watch. Oh yeah, it. It's, oh yeah. Saturday is rough. Yeah, that is Saturday is rough. It's a Saturday. rough slate on Saturday. You Saturday. might be forced into watching this match. Yeah, that should be how they advertise it, right? Like it's the only thing worth watching on Saturday. Spurs, Everton, <laughs> catch it. Um, Sorry to all you Bournemouth fans out there on Saturday. <laughs> But Sunday, on the other hand, is, is packed. Not only do we have the Liverpool-Manchester uh, City showdown, we also have Manchester United, fifth at 15 points, versus Newcastle, sixth at 14 points. This game is Sunday at 9 a.m. Manchester United at Caesars is minus 102. The draw is plus 2675. And spoiler alert, my boys at Newcastle are plus 260. Manchester United minus half a goal is minus 115. Newcastle is minus 115. So they're calling a Newcastle result a coin flip, but I ain't flipping no coins. I'll skip right to the end. Give me Newcastle plus 260 all day. Uh, Manchester United is coming off a pretty thorough beating of Everton. And, you know, I'm not just going to talk crap about them. I know that's what you're expecting, but it's time to give Anthony his flowers. How many times have we seen a guy come over from a lesser league and have a hard time at betting quickly at a big six club? And Anthony is the first player, apparently, in Manchester United's illustrious history of buying really big-name talent from all over the world to score in each of his first three Premier League games. And he's done it with like real precision and style. He appears to be the difference maker they thought they got with Jaden Sancho a few years ago. And if Sancho can actually make it back and Ronaldo can move on, United might finally have a shot at the top four again. But probably not because they still haven't fixed their midfield and their defense. I did not like what I saw from Casemiro in his first start. And maybe now we know why he's not playing, even if it's not clear why they bought him in the first place. Uh, to be fair, he made one incredible play that people are going to watch the highlights and think that he was the difference maker because he released Ronaldo for the game winner. But if you watch the game, he was giving up the ball way too easy. Even on that play, he gave it up easy and then had to go chase it back down. And he was also getting bullied off the ball repeatedly, which does not bode well for him in the physical Premier League style. So it's going to be really embarrassing if they paid 70 million bucks for a backup to Fred. Uh, on the other side... <laughs> 
Newcastle has <laughs> been feasting on minnows recently, winning 5-1 over Brentford, 4-1 over Fulham. But they also took points off of City by going toe-to-toe in a 3-3 slugfest. And they can't help us win on their schedule recently. So let's not forget about that match. They are doing what good teams do and taking care of business. And you are dang right. I just called them a good team. So guess what? I'm going all the way here and taking Newcastle to win this thing outright. I have plenty of questions about United, and I have been riding Newcastle on the betting sheet since last January. This is a dream combination for me. Newcastle plus 260. Let's do it. <laughs> well, as someone uh, who watched the Kitty Yelovich come over to the Premier League and light it on fire for the first six months he was here, I'm going <laughs> to mute my praise of Anthony. Um, so I, I have experience in this issue. Um, <clears throat> but no, I, I uh, this is... This is one of those things where I really would love to get in the mind of the sports book, right? Like I would love to talk to the guys at Caesars and be like, Hey, clue me in here. Cause the XG difference per 90 for Newcastle is 0.86 for United minus 0.15, almost a goal, a match difference. Toby, how are they plus two sixty? How? I don't understand. I literally cannot figure out well, what is the, going into that model that is telling me that they're plus two, two six. Th- this is the great joy of betting. The yeah. Ozbaker's goals are not to uh, you know reflect the true value of the match. That's it's true. To, they want money draw, on both sides. It's to draw yeah. the right amount of money on both sides. And so Manchester United, being the ultimate public club, um, you know with the high profile, having Ronaldo, having world famous players for them and playing at home where people still think the theater of dreams is the theater of dreams creates kind of a perfect scenario to have an outsized number like plus 260 for a team that's better uh, by a full goal in XG. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, and uh, I have to give, I'm going to take one second here. Obviously they've had a massive influx of talent that have come along with it, but Eddie Howe has been, Surprise! I don't know if I mean I mean we watched the Born with yours, Betty Howe. I don't know if this has shocked you, but how stable this team has become defensively under Eddie Howe has been shocking. And then you factor in that he has genuinely improved guys that were pariahs before he came in. Miguel Almiron, like didn't score for like seven months at one point, has legitimately been one of the best attacking players outside of the top six in the Premier League. Joel Linton looked like he was on his way back to the Bundesliga. How moved him as a free eight. He's reinvented himself there. Joe Willick looked like kind of an Arsenal flameout, and he is actually going to be featuring in my prop bet. Like he has integrated both these new signings and kind of molded some of the existing talent that was there into just a really good functional squad. It is, it has been really impressive how good a job he has done integrating new talent, getting like existing players there to perform at way beyond previous levels. Um, and it also helps too, that they signed Nick Pope, which is kind of an underrated signing. The Pope between the, the pipes is one of the best shot stoppers in the premier league. Um, so I, I love it. If this is the case, this is like a tiger woods line to like not make the cut kind of thing. Um, I love that United is going to give us this because I just think this this screams of a game that's a coin flip and you're getting plus 260 for Newcastle to win outright. Um, and then for my prop bet, I mentioned him before. I had to triple check the spreadsheets, Toby, 
but Joe Willick's non-penalty XG this year is over 0.2 per match, and he's plus 700 to score a goal. So basically, he's got an XG that he scores one out of every five matches, and you're getting seven to one on him against a United team that isn't exactly inspiring as far as their defensive thing. I love I, that you can look at I don't at the, love Joe Willick, but I love that line just like mathematically makes sense. I love that you can look at what I feel is the best value bet available the entire year, an underrated Newcastle team versus an overrated United team, and still make your prop a freaking point two XG guy to hit a plus 700 bet. Like I cannot do it, Toby. Do that when I, like Forrest is playing you know, Tottenham or somebody. Like Don't waste the opportunity <laughs> to exploit Newcastle there'll, there'll versus United Ryan with that Yates score. bets coming for Nottingham Forest. Don't you worry. <laughs> All right. Well, here's my uh, exploit, and I love this one. Uh, Newcastle to win and both teams to score is plus 500. I'm so excited. My voice cracked like a teenager. Plus 500. <laughs> Newcastle really, really doesn't do it for you, apparently. Newcastle allowed a goal in six of the last seven games, and United scored in seven of the last eight. So if we're so excited about the plus 260, do we actually think it's going to be a clean sheet win by Newcastle? Or is this going to be 2-1, 3-1, 3-2? So I am thrilled, absolutely thrilled to double my payout backing a team to score against a team that doesn't keep clean sheets and isn't a stranger to competing in, in track beats. So I, I, I'm over the moon about that one. If you don't want to go all the way with plus 500, the over on total goals is plus 175 for uh, 3.5. Love that one too. I I mean, the, the one thing, again, since I rain on parade, so I do. I make everybody's day worse. I'm super fun at parties. Everybody should invite me. Um, <clears throat> the one thing I will say is that this is going to be a weird game in terms of who is going to actually have possession of the ball. Newcastle have been better as a team playing the counter role. So if this is the case where United are the ones that are actually going to be controlling the pitch a little bit here, it takes them away from the thing that like got them their best win, which is against Arsenal. Right. And I, I wonder how that's going to play out as far as the line. I was trying to talk myself into the clean sheet win for Newcastle. Cause I always will try to talk myself into that bet. Um, I couldn't do it, but part of me also says that there's a chance that, these two teams like kind of nullify each other in the sense they won't let each other play the way that they want to play. So I'm going to be very curious to see how the game state plays out. Not saying that either bet is wrong or good or whatever. It's going to be a weird dynamic when these two teams come together because they both kind of want to play the same way. Mm. Well, I'm going to enjoy it and I will be laying that bet. I promise you. Uh, All right. So we've got a few more matches and we are 40 plus minutes in. So let's roll through these real quick. Speed, Brett. speed round. Uh, well, thankfully, speed round is Leeds United versus Arsenal. Leeds at 14th at nine points. Uh, Arsenal first at 24 points. Sunday at 9 a.m. Arsenal at Caesars is minus 175. Leeds is plus 450. The draw is plus 325. Uh, Arsenal minus half a goal is minus 160. Leeds is plus 130. Arsenal minus a goal and a half is plus 140. Leeds is minus 200. It still does not feel like Arsenal is getting the proper respect from the bookmakers as they should be way bigger favorites against a Leeds team that only looked good in one game all year when they beat Chelsea and began the path that got Tuchel canned. Uh, Since then, they've lost to Palace, Brentford, and Brighton, drew against that sorry Southampton team as well as Everton. 
What are people seeing that is keeping them from being a minus 200 or more dog against an Arsenal team that remains ahead in the table against what we think might be the best Premier League of all, or Premier League team of all time in City after they just took down Liverpool? I don't get it. Arsenal has risen up uh, to number eight in the uh, 538 Soccer Power Index, which I know you love, and they deserve it. They deserve to be considered one of the t- 10 best teams in the world right now. I think they roll leads, and I'm really going to take the minus one and a half and plus 140 to prove it. Yeah, I I mean, I I looked at the Arsenal money line, and again, it just seemed like it should be much higher. Um, Leads have gotten a little unlucky this year. Uh, You know, they've had some issues with guys getting sent off and some injury stuff. You know, Bamford still hasn't been healthy. Um, I I wanted to find ways – you know, due to, you know, my American nationalism here <laughs> to find ways that Leeds could have covered something. I couldn't get there. Um, I, I think you're right. I think there still is something in the books that is allowing this perception of Arsenal to kind of take hold. They are legitimately good. I've given up trying to find excuses. That they are not when they're, if they're, this starting 11 stays healthy, they will be here in the end. They will be one of the best premier league teams at the end of this year. I, and at only minus 180 against a team that's going to finish between 12th and 14th, I don't care that it's away. That seems like a mispriced line to me. Well, so again, I think, Caesars has it at minus 160, so you got to love it even more. Well, there we go. I keep screwing up and using the wrong line. Um, I can't even read my own writing because I have clearly written down 160 when I actually have reading glasses. <laughs> this is bad. Am I getting that old and I need reading glasses? You don't oh, want wow. me to answer that. There's a, a whole other thing. I don't want to get into that. Um, but the other thing, too, is that like Leeds has been very different than uh, under the Bielsa. They've gotten rid of that crazy man-marking system that would leave <laughs> the middle of the field completely vacant of defenders. Um, so the both teams to score no at plus 115. With Leeds being a little stingier defensively and Arsenal playing that really controlling pace, I actually think that that being a plus number is interesting because a lot of ranges of outcome for me in this match is if Leeds win, it's definitely going to be like a 1-0, 2-0. Millier stands on his head, saves some chances. They nick a couple of goals, one or two goals. And if Arsenal wins, it's definitely going to be on the other end, the 1-0, 2-0 on that end. So I don't really see this being, other than 1-1, I don't really see this being a match where a lot of ranges of outcomes have both teams scoring a goal. Yeah. So that, that line at plus money seems again, a little mispriced. That's interesting. I mean, I would have thought you would have gone with a good team to do a good thing there because I don't think Arsenal is going to be kept off. And if you think Leeds is that likely to remain blanked, then I don't know what the clean sheet win is, but it's got to be probably like plus one fifty one sixty would be my guess. And that's where I would place my bet along that line of thinking, but to each their own. Uh, I just I I do think there's a window where the real life Ted Lasso the kind of stifles Arsenal and they nick a goal and they they pull it away. That was the one thing that really kept me away from going to my good team, good thing, clean sheet. So, but also Jesse Mars, man, I want to love you, Jesse. Just don't say your team fought like lions in a post-game press conference anymore. I just don't <laughs> want to hear that. Don't be the real Ted Lasso. Just be a football manager. <laughs> uh, so I am taking, because I do believe Arsenal will score in this game. Uh, I'm taking Jesus anytime score plus 115. 
He's had a dry spell over the last two minute matches, which have seen his odds rise a little bit, and he's back to getting plus numbers instead of minus numbers. Uh, and so I like that you're getting a little bit of value against a lead team that can be beat with the quick, incisive movements. Uh, it's why I also like Martinelli at plus 170 as an anytime goal scorer. And he's, by the way, Martinelli is quickly becoming one of my favorite players to watch, Brad. Like, he's, he's quickly becoming one of my guys. Uh, on this yeah. podcast, like, did so you? He's s- on the he's on the Toby Mount Rushmore of Cancelo and Reese James. Did you see him hit the brakes and make TAA and Henderson fly right by him like they were MIG yeah. jets against Maverick? I mean, like, take my <laughs> breath away, indeed. That like chop back and those guys went flying and it was over to soccer love- for a tap. It was incredible. I love that you just turned a Martinelli goal into a Top Gun reference. That is that is just. Oh. Chef's kiss. Yeah. Toby. Well, just end the pod. Just do the Joyce Cassandra. Just walk out. Make me make me up to the end of this. Well, both of I'm them so are true treasures. Both yeah. of them are true treasures, dude. Like that was amazing. He has ascended. And it's also it's really crazy. Like the attacking um firepower that Brazil has, it's particularly young attacking firepower. Like, I don't even know how they're gonna find a way on the pitch for all those guys. And yet uh, but, somehow Richarlison is probably gonna play a ton of minutes for him. Yeah, that's <laughs> That's criminal. We'll, we'll talk about this. This cover, these conversations are coming soon, folks. They're going to yeah. be great. <laughs> um, so, despite my love for Martinelli, I'm going to follow my gut here. My gut says Jesus is the one who taps the ball in this week, so I'm going to make him my official pick. Uh, all right, guys, we have one more match, and then the five pint will get you out of here. But first, first, we need to take another quick break. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Okay, we are back. Our final match of the week is Aston Villa, 16th at 9 points versus Chelsea, 4th at 16 points. Sunday at 9 a.m. Chelsea on the money line is minus 128. Villa is plus 360. The draw at plus 265. Caesars has Chelsea at minus half a goal at, at minus 130 and Aston Villa at plus 100. If you want the adjusted line, Chelsea minus one and a half is plus 210 and Villa is minus 330. So, Brett, the good times continue to flow at Stanford Bridge after they had an absolutely perfect outing against Wolves last weekend. A ton of rotation, goals from Havertz and Pulisic, as well as Broha opening his account for the club he's been at since he was eight years old. Added a clean sheet and a truly bizarre but hilarious self-taken mid-game lap of victory from Colt hero Diego Costa. And the home <laughs> fans really got to enjoy their day. Um, then they roll AC Milan again midweek, which was glorious in the Champions League. So, Brett, I am feeling amazing right now. 
But I'm going to open up the, the chance for you to bring in your storm clouds, bring in that rain that you love to always have in, uh, always like bring on, bring to me when I'm feeling this good. So do you want to take me down a few pegs? Are you seeing anything that from this rejuvenated side that should calm me down? No, I actually am going to go the other way. So, well, it's, this is going to be rain on like a villa parade. Uh, it's going to be sunshine for you, though. Um, I think Aston Villa is the argument for four teams to be relegated. <laughs> I cannot stand watching this team play. They are so boring and aggressively bad, but they're not bad enough to actually be relegated. I just cannot stand watching them play ever since Stevie G came along. It just, they are so vanilla bad. It just makes me sick. Um, but no, I, my only choice was whether I was going to take the adjusted line um, or the normal minus 0.5. I went with the, just a half goal spread. I couldn't get myself all the way to the adjusted line. Um, but one of the props I have is this Villa attack is anemic. They are just pathetic. Coutinho's effect. I don't know. Maybe he's hurt. Maybe he just doesn't care because he's playing for Aston Villa. I don't know. Maybe he's just not the same player after all these years of being hurt and on the bench of super clubs. Um, but he hasn't really been the spark this year that I thought he might've been and that he maybe showed when he came over, um, in the transfer window last January, but Villa is uh, the Villa under of zero of 0.5 goals is plus plus one fifty-five. I just, it's going to be just a stupid thing that happens if they score. They, they barely created anything against Nottingham forest who are terrible. Yeah. And now they're going up against a team that is like, Peak Chelsea under Tuchel defensively. Potter has really brought that back. It is a horrible matchup for them. They just don't have the horses, especially if Coutinho is on his way towards the, I don't know, playing tour for MLS in two years. Um, I just think this is going to be one of the better bets. I mean, it's definitely going to show up in my final fight. Better bets of the week, under of a half goal for Villa against a really, really good Chelsea defensive team. Yeah, you accused me of looking at your notes earlier. Now the tables have turned. So Aston Villa is about to fire Stevie G. He's done. Uh, the Blues are rolling, and they're only laying a little bit of juice to the win here. And they're and like Aston Villa's draw against City early in the year now looks like it will be competing with literally everything Antonio Brown says and does for the WTF <laughs> of the Year award. Uh, like, how did that possibly happen? This is. This is another uh, yeah. line that should be so much higher. It feels like stealing. So, of course, I'm taking Blues um, minus 128 all day. Like that, That's a no-brainer. And I'm with you. I'm not going to take the same bet you did, but I'm taking almost the same bet you did because I'm taking a good team yeah! to do a good thing. Of Chelsea course. clean sheet bets. Bring them back. Of course <laughs> I'm taking Chelsea clean sheet bet here. They're plus 205. They are a good team, and they are on a hot streak of doing good things. Villa can't crack even one XG against the likes of Bournemouth, Palace, Southampton, or freaking Forest, as you already alluded to. I love my odds here. Make me eat my words, Stevie G. I ain't afraid. And my advice to you is start studying up on World Cup rosters because you're going to be working for Sky Sports in about three weeks. <laughs> I love it. All right. I, I will have to say this, though, too. If uh, th we've seen a switch between a back three and a back four with Chelsea so far under Potter, if the back three comes out, I will literally take out a, a second mortgage on your home and put that oh, shit on you the clean <laughs> I, Yeah, on your home. I'm saying for you. So oh, okay. I still rent. I still rent. So you, you own your home. You can take out a second mortgage. 
Uh, it'd be a little awkward for me to try to do it in this situation, but basically get whatever money you can have, go to a loan shark. That's going to kneecap you. I'm that confident. If a back three comes out in this match, take whatever bet that has Villa scoring no goals, because it's literally going to take the unluckiest, flukiest bad word that yeah. I can't say. So Mike's going to bleep it out to happen. Um, for for Villa to actually get a goal. So pay attention to the starting <laughs> 11s. Please do that. It'll make you money, especially in this Chelsea match. This is like uh, that horrible movie, Two for the Money, where the guy guarantees his pick for the Super Bowl, except for you're a little bit more judgment-proof. Like, your biggest asset is that poster laying behind you, so they can only get you for like 32 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Perfect. I didn't even realize that. I'm glad that you have that law background because now I know that's all I'm going to be liable for. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, let's wrap up with the five pints. So Brett almost swept the board last week, hitting four of five. It still only beat me on the week as Holland hit the inside post on a one-on-one versus the keeper in Southampton. Uh, a shot he finishes nine out of 10 times at a minimum. It actually convinced me we were living in a simulation as the only explanation <laughs> for that miss, that miss was a glitch in the matrix. But, you know, both of us were profitable again last week. Uh, but, Brett, what do you always say? Regression comes from everyone, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, the variance is actually should be swinging up, maybe. And I've also gotten away from plus 600 anytime goal score bets. That also will help with my consistency. That definitely does help. All right. So here's how I'm fighting off regression this week. Chelsea right. to win, minus 128. Rare for me. Two pints, two pints on one bet. That is how excited Ooh. I am about that. I cannot believe. Yeah, you like to mix it up. Low. I like to mix it up, but I've I've got to take a page out of your book and double down on one I truly believe in this okay. week. Okay, okay. Um, City to win minus one twenty six at one pint. If you wanted to parlay those two together, I wouldn't be mad at you for a nice plus payout. Uh, Foden anytime goal scorer plus two forty. And Brett, I don't know if it's the nitrous. I don't know if it's a trip to the dentist. I don't know if it's the fact that I've uh, had a couple of beers and I'm on my way to Austin City Limits for three days of great music. But I'm feeling funky. I'm feeling fine. And I'm going all the way with Newcastle to win. Both teams to score. Plus 500. Let's go. I am in. I am in for you it. You have spent Let's way go. too much time with me. Way too much time with me. <laughs> I have corrupted you in the worst of ways. And well, I love every second of it. I'm putting 32 bucks on it, and you're going to give me that poster if it doesn't hit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my, mine are going to be, uh, I'm going to be, oh, God, I'm going to be like the, the basic of the group then, I guess. Um, I got two on Newcastle plus 260. I just, I mean, come on, man. Like, how how can I not? I would put all five on the Villa under half a goal if there's a back three. As of now, I will put one on it. Um, and then I'm going to go the over three and a half plus 115 in City Pool. Two pints. I just, that was one of my favorites of the week. And I kind of want it to be the case for that. If that game was a ton of goals. So it means it's an awesome match and everybody's loving it. Um, but yeah, I'm keeping it consolidated and simple again. You're the one that's all over the place, man. Uh, God, I feel like this role reverse is weird. You you threw out a five thirty eight like rankings <laughs> thing too, and I didn't even do that. Did you? Oh, no, you used the word XG once. I think the, if the odds makers had, had placed a bet, he would use XG more. Me or you? You would have had to be like minus eleven point five references to get it easy <laughs> to get close to even number. And I feel like I covered that spread pretty well this week. Oh yeah, I mean you, you definitely had XG me this week. You created <laughs> way more XG chances in the conversation. <laughs> 
All right, guys. Uh, I hope that was an hour well spent, and I hope you spend the rest of your time this weekend invested in the Premier League, sitting on your couch and really enjoying some top-flight matches. We will be back with you next week with our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. Take care, everyone. See y'all.